0: Hey everyone, my name's Kyle. This episode is with professional big wave surfer Sean Dollar. Sean has broken two Guinness World Records for paddling in to the largest waves ever paddled, one at Mavericks and one at Cortez Bank. Last year, Sean broke his neck surfing big waves and simultaneously suffered a traumatic brain injury. So during this conversation, um, we talk a lot about that experience, his road to recovery and navigating, um, some very serious waters that not many of us, um, you know, ever, ever have to navigate. he talks about dealing with depression after his injury, working through that. And man, I I'm just so grateful to Sean for being open and honest, when talking about um, you know these subjects that are not always um, brought to light in media. Usually we focus on the guts and the glory of surfing big waves. So it was an important conversation to have, and man, you'll listen to him. He is one inspiring guy. The outlook that he maintains on life and existence is something that you can just feel when you listen to them. Without further ado, please welcome Sean Dollar. So what's your routine these days?
1: Uh, the, how do you say that? Like, take Kai to school in the morning, wake up early around six, make breakfast for everyone, and then uh, off to school, drop Kai off by seven forty, eight o'clock, and then I head to my office typically, try to knock out like a couple hours of work, and then... Get uh, in the car, head over to Las Gatas, start hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I've uh, been doing that now. I was doing it five days a week. Now I'm doing it about three days a week. Do that for about two hours. Get out, start neurofeedback, and then uh, get back on 17. Go back to the office for a few hours and then get home. Start dinner and try to get the kids wrapped up and to sleep and then start over. So it's pretty routine. And every day you're going to Las Gatos? Uh. I was. I'm going three days a week now. I'm started this thing called neurofeedback, and you can't. I can't do it every day. It's unsustainable. It's too exhausting. What is that? It's uh. It's basically a. To describe it simply, it's like a reboot of the brain. So um. I've, since we have the time, you know, I was in a bad accident, broke my neck in four places a year ago, and suffered a traumatic brain injury. And the problem was, it was a really bad brain injury at from this accident, but I've had just concussion on top of concussion, like, and, uh, I have a ton of brain damage long-term
0: already, Might yeah. It, so this before term, the accident. Yeah, you, you had already had a few damage, conduct- yeah.
1: Okay. And, and what yeah. were those concussions from? Um, mainly from surfing. Really? Yeah. Um, For surfing big waves, surfing big waves. Yeah. I did have a few other accidents in between, but, um, Mavericks was consistently giving me massive, I mean, it's given everybody, but it rattles 10, you. 10 years of just going as hard as you can. You know, my, I did uh, scans up at the Amen clinic. It's called spec scans. And it's the same stuff all the NFL guys are doing that are alive. And I have the same brain as a professional football player. It's much damage, which means uh, I played, I don't play football but it would be the same as... You hear how bad football is, right? Right. I I saw
0: that movie, Concussion. I'm sure you saw that one, too. Yeah, I
1: did. So I have... It looks like I played high school, college, and pro football up until my age, you know? So it's... They've never seen anything like that from a surfer. Um, And it's not just from one impact. It's from multiple, multiple impacts. So, I mean, yeah, you saw the movie, Concussion. The scary thing is, is... You know that CTE can only be diagnosed if you have an autopsy but I had all the symptoms and signs of early CTE and had the brain scans to prove that so I was in a my brain was a mess I was in a bad bad shape after the accident so would you be willing to talk a little bit about just for people
0: who don't know like what happened exactly
1: yeah. Um but specifically what interests you? It's inter- a broad I, question. Yeah, yeah, well, I I'm, I'm interested in in what
0: happened that day and then kind of like what the the symptoms were if if you're willing to talk about it.
1: Uh yeah, so what happened that day was I was just basically surfing some waves and um got stuck on the inside against a bunch of rocks and I was just kind of like I was in a bad situation and I was on a board too big to duck dive so it felt like I was in deep water, which i it seemed like I was. So I jumped off my board and dove down under a large piece of white water before I got swept into rocks. And there happened to be like a pinnacle sticking up, like sh- just below the surface, slammed into it um, head first and just felt my neck breaking. Like it just started hearing it, feeling it shattering. Just it was like just tearing apart. So um While I was breaking, I, like, it was fucking super intense. It was really, really shitty. I mean, when those situations happen, like, time, like, stands still. And I remember just having the conscious thoughts of, no, like, this is not happening. And as it's happening, my body's trying to buckle. And my head's going one way, and I'm scorpion into this rock. And I just did everything I could to try to fight that. Like, I literally just held tight trying to keep my body from and my neck from collapsing and uh, it it worked. I was able to keep my neck intact like that and it hurt but in doing that um, I don't know the fascinating thing is is the way my neck broke, it was torn apart by my muscles. So as I protected my spinal column and didn't snap, which I never snapped my spinal column, we found out later. My, my neck was just shredded in four places with fractures and just literally tearing the bo- bone in half, bone to bone. And that happened from just tensing up and preventing my muscles going one way and muscles going the other way, you know? It was just a bizarre experience. And I knew I'd broken my neck, and I was just in in trouble in the water. And uh, kept getting, you know, trying to stay conscious... I don't know. It's kind of a, it's a long story. It's a long story of just kind of like getting washed against the rocks, trying to stay conscious, trying not to move, like using all my survival instincts. Cause, uh, it, you're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to move when you break your neck. And as I kind of got, was getting beat against rocks. I realized that I had to move. Like I had to like at this point fight for my survival and, it was either I was going to drown, get bashed against rocks, or I was going to paralyze myself trying to get out of there. And I was, it was time to take the risk. So I got on my board and started paddling, which fucking hurt. Hurt really bad. And uh, every time I'd make it like 10 feet, I'd get hit by another wave, knocked off, get back on my board. And I just was getting shit kicked out of me. Till finally I got out of there, got to a beach, and I uh, kind of couldn't believe I was, like, walking and still functioning. And I was just in tremendous pain and a daze. And um, kind of basically I was out in a really remote area and got myself to where all my gear was and um, fuck, proceeded to try to get myself out of there, taking my wetsuit off and um, starting to get, myself together which i didn't have much of a choice we we're kind of so remote and it was getting so warm that i couldn't have walked out of there with my wetsuit and it just i just it just was it was torture it was and my friend showed up and a couple other people later showed up and uh they're kind of asking me how i'm doing and i just i didn't really tell them the truth i told them i think i broke my neck and they're like there's no way you're still still you know, you're all right. You can't like, look, you probably just sprained it. You're probably just sore. And I'm right. like, and it was easier to kind of go with that. But I knew I broke my neck. Yeah. Um,
0: That's a common thing with a lot of people. Like well, they'll break their neck in a beach break or something like that. They'll come in walking and people are like, oh yeah, you're fine. But then the, the wrong yeah. move and they're paralyzed.
1: Yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to be stuck down there in that, in that, location. I mean there was no cell phone reception and I wanted to get be able to get out of there and really to send like search and rescue down there it would have been really really difficult to get out of that ravine. So I kind of had enough adrenaline and I just kind of like made it happen. Made it happen and got out of there. Holy shit. So it was pretty intense got to the hospital. But anyway, long story short is uh kind of what fascinates me is more of like the journey after. I mean the accident was horrific i'm lucky to be alive and it just started this whole like journey of trying to heal myself uh and i mean i've always been like kind of against western medicine because i mean i spent my life as a kid like on antibiotics when i had allergies and misdiagnosed and just endless cycle of being in and out of doctors and never getting better and until I got older, I started figuring out my health and getting better. So I, I just kind of always look for alternatives, but when you're kind of faced with this situation, you don't have any other choice. You know, you're in the ER, you're in the hospital for four days, you've got a broken neck, you got a neck brace, you're going to neurosurgeons, you're, you know, it's like on and on and on. But what ended up happening is uh, it broke it in September. And by November, I was uh, had gotten myself off my painkillers. My neck brace was no longer on, and I was supposed to be like fine, right? Like your neck brace is off, you've healed, you should be pretty good. Well, I was like worse than ever, um, and we thought it was kind of directed towards the uh, the all the painkillers right you know like being all looped out on that stuff
0: oh yeah i mean that that shit will fuck you up man yeah so even just doing a 10-day round of hydrocodone or something like that yeah
1: and i was on that stuff for like two months you know and so that's just i just it was putting me into like a dark place and i was got off that stuff right and it was like two or three weeks later i was still like really feeling those symptoms and going to my neurosurgeons and telling them like I was seeing two different ones to kind of get references from both. I, they were both friends of mine, and they both wanted to treat me. And uh, they're just basically telling me that um, it's a concussion, you know? Just rest. Don't don't really worry about it. But the problem was it wasn't just a concussion. I've had concussions before. I've had lots of concussions. This was like a, I was in a bad place, and I couldn't describe it. Everyone's kind of telling me, you look great don't worry about it, this and that, and uh, I couldn't function, I couldn't read well, I couldn't, um, I couldn't respond, I couldn't tell people how I was feeling, I was, came like very suicidal, like I was like losing control of my emotions and thoughts, and I was a totally different person, like total mess, and what's scary is like, if you've seen the movie Concussion, I was fully one of those people like where you have a family and you're like trying to live a normal life but you're losing your shit and you can't figure it out and everybody's looking at you being like dude pull it together and you're like you're like life is out of control so I uh was looking for answers and trying to I knew that I'd been following all the NFL stuff for years and knowing what Mavericks was doing I suspected that I was getting lots of concussions out there so kind of like it wasn't a shock but it was like damn I have to face this now you know like I didn't have a choice at this point yeah it was like I felt like the analogy I could give is like you know I built my life I had a wife and two kids and a job and I was you know on a roll and now it was like you know like you have like this you're holding your life in your hands and it was like this point like sand like falling between my fingers slowly and it was like in a year, two years, this was all going to be gone. You know, if I didn't turn reverse what was going on, and everybody around me's, you know, that's a medical practitioner is telling me to don't worry about it. You're fine. And it was like it was kind of insanity. You know, like I'm going insane. People are telling me you're fine, and it's like, am I just, just,
0: am I crazy for thinking that I'm going crazy, or like, yeah, I'm just like yeah, oh, it for, was wow. So.
1: I got really lucky. I got connected with the um, with Doctor Amen. He's a pretty well known um, doctor's on like PPS and stuff. He's got the Amen Clinics, and he's all his whole message is you don't have to live with the brain you have. Your brain can get better. So it was pretty inspiring, and it just happened to be that this woman connected me directly with him, and he I guess kind of funny. He was like, whatever surfer, sure. He wasn't really interested, and they sent him, uh, I guess, the YouTube of me at Cortez, where I broke the world record at uh, 61 feet, paddling into a wave. And he was just kind of like, got his attention. And he sent me an invite and invited me to his clinic for uh, free scans. He was curious to see what my brain looked like. He's seen thousands, thousands and thousands of brains at this point, but he wanted to, like, what does an athlete doing this, what type of stuff's going on? So that's kind of where the journey started. There was literally, um, I went there New Year's Eve and it was like a fresh start. Cause I got out of that. Um, we went over my scans and it was, there was the evidence, holes in my brain, um, dents all over. It just was like, my brain had been bouncing in my skull and just had damage all throughout it. So, um, not not like you'd look at the pictures and be like that doesn't look good it wasn't as dramatic as some of these scans you've seen from like a junior hour or something like if a guy like that would have gotten scanned but it was like well on its way and it was f- like there was my uh, diagnosis of this is why i feel like this is literally i got holes in my head that are not allowing me to function anymore so Had you
0: suspected that beforehand or was that kind of like a comfort, like, so was that like a confirmation for you or was it something where you didn't know it was going on? And this was like, Oh, this, this at least makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I understood that I had a lot of brain damage. I was sure of it, but I'm a surfer. You're hitting the water. You're overreacting is what people are telling me. Like you're fine. Just, Spend less time on your cell phone and screen time. You're exhausting yourself. The f- funniest things you'd hear. And it was like, look, if Mavericks shakes a Richter scale at Berkeley when it breaks, which it does, whenever Mavericks is breaking, the scientists at UC, UC Berkeley know it's breaking. It's fucking gnarly. That That is literally shaking the earth that far away. So what do you think a human body when they eat shit at Mavericks, is going through physically. It is a violent, violent explosion that you're in. So I always looked at it like if soldiers are coming home that their Humvees have run over IEDs with massive concussions and are really messed up, there's got to be some type of parallel between what these waves are doing to what we're going through. Now, I'm not saying I'm a soldier. and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's got to be some type of parallel there to that type of violent energy ripping through a body and so um to have a diagnosis where you could actually see where my brain does show like massive like banging around and it's it's got the damage to prove it it was like okay everybody that my MRI, my CT scans, everything in my brain looked fine to everybody else. This is, this is a scan that shows a totally different picture and it actually changed like for my relationship with like my wife that was there right by my side. It stopped her and put things in perspective for her. Um, and that was kind of like where things started getting better, right. you know? So where I could, I mean, if I didn't have this, I couldn't sit here and kind of talk to you factually about what's going on. To tell somebody just how you feel all the time, you start sounding like a whining pitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like if you literally have a broken arm, that's kind of why you're in pain and that's why you need a cast and that's why you need to get help and, and take some time you have the x-ray to prove off. it, yeah. yeah. so now I have the x-ray to prove it. So at that point it became like, what do you do now that you're messed up? What do you do? And so... um I got teamed up with, uh, some doctors, uh, in particular, um, his name's Dr. Sherry's the foremost guy on hyperbaric oxygen therapy here. And he's based here out in Northern California, but he's kind of the guy in the country to go talk to. And, uh, he wrote me up a prescription and I started working with, uh, another doctor too named Dr. Cook that, um, was working with Barry hyperbarics and, um, they I started going to Bay Area Hyperbarics, which is in Los Gatos. They have another one in Los Altos. And I was not... A, I didn't know what to think of this, right? I heard, they say it They say it works, right? And uh, What is it that you're actually doing? You're going into a compression chamber, the same thing that um, was originally developed for divers that got the bends. You're doing the same thing. You're going into a pressurized chamber, but you're breathing pure oxygen, and what that does is it pushes blood and oxygen directly into your brain like huge amounts compared to what your body's getting and um, the first time I got out of that chamber like I felt significantly better like significantly better i and what was going on was I finally got blood and oxygen into my brain which my brain was wounded it needed blood flow to heal and it finally got it and it was incredible
0: how would you describe it like in terms of actually feeling better like
1: I came out and I was able to like think more clearly faster felt better it was like having the, the, like a simple way of describing a like concussion is like being extremely sleep deprived You know, like if you've been up for a few days and you just feel horrible and you can't think clearly and things are confusing and you're dizzy. Someone's asking a question. You're like, what? Wait, what? what Yeah, Yeah, and you got to like delay and try to come up. It's like that. But I came out of that chamber kind of like, wow, actually got some sleep. Like I feel rested. Like, okay. That was a significant. If I was at 10%, I was now at like 20, 30%. 40% Amazing. in one shot but it literally like our body works on blood and oxygen if you're not getting blood and oxygen
0: you're, 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 you're fucked, fucked. Yeah.
1: you know like put a tourniquet on your arm when you have a broken arm that arm's never gonna heal you're gonna have to cut it off eventually so the crazy thing about the body is you know we have these protective mechanisms built in like our blood brain barrier is extremely crucial to keeping us alive but when you have a concussion that brain the blood brain barrier becomes a hindrance it doesn't allow blood flow that the blood flow that you need it allows a small amount of blood into your brain in case there's like you know antibodies or other things in your bloodstream that could get in your brain and kill you so it's hard to get blood and oxygen through that system so through hyperbaric oxygen therapy it pushes huge amounts into the brain so it was like things were lighting up things were turning on so i've since then done in the last since jan what was it january first or third when i started i've done close to 84 rounds of hyperbaric oxygen therapy which is on the total extreme side of how much you need but you gotta remember that i had significant amount of damage before this accident so my problem is I'm not just working on my post-accident head bang. I'm working on all the years that I was doing damage before that. So um, it was pretty pretty fascinating um, where that took me. The other thing that I did in parallel to this was – are you interested in kind of like how I managed uh, pain at this point? Sure, yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm hooked. whatever she's going to talk about. So there's two parallels going on here which I kind of like I went through hyperbaric but I was uh in so much pain after my accident that um once I got off of my painkillers like I was waked up woke up every day with migraines. Um every other day I'd be throwing up from them. So it would be like extremely difficult to just function at that point. Uh but I didn't want to be on Viking and all this other stuff anymore so I it's kind of funny I started smoking weed which helped but I didn't quite cut it but I was still in a better place but dr. cook who I mentioned earlier started doing this stuff called Neuroprolo to me and uh, what that is is it he takes an ultrasound machine he's a trained anesthesiologist and he takes an ultrasound machine and finds uh, your nerves with that inserts dextrose which is just sugar water with a needle and gives your nerves room to breathe Um, nerves respond to dextrose and relax but also gives them room so what it was doing is i'd go through these procedures some of them would last an hour some of them two hours of just getting just injected all throughout my spine and my back of my neck and my forehead just chasing the pain around i'd walk into his office with a level nine to ten in pain like Barely can handle it anymore. And uh, walk out of his office with like the pain would be reduced in half, you know, like or gone. Wow. So um, let me back up. It wouldn't be reduced in half right there. It would be gone after that procedure. Two or three days later, it would come back, but it would only be half straight. So then, like a few weeks later, I'd go back and I'd do it again. It'd be dropped down to like 25. So you kind of get the picture. So you're basically just doing sugar water into your body, into your nerves and teaching your body to chill the fuck out. Stop fighting yourself. Because like um, inflammation and, and pain becomes uh, chronic pain. So I was in chronic pain. So between hyperbaric and getting rid of my chronic pain, I was like functioning now pretty well. And uh, as we get here towards the end of my treatment a year later, um, we started this thing called neural feedback. And so it brings us back to that, what I'm doing currently. And that's a reboot of the brain. So they mapped my brain back in uh, January before I started hyperbaric. And they s- saw us again through that. It's a di- it's different than my spec scan I did at Aemon. But they saw significant damage on that scan too. It um, showed like a, close to a third of my brain being offline. Like no, f- like literally not working. Wow. So um, that was pretty scary too, because it was a little bit more of an intense uh, diagnosis than the spec scan. Spec imaging is just a picture. This was like a real tool of seeing which parts are and are not working. But with uh, with this tool, they can then turn those areas back on. So I'm sit. They hook up this modules all to my head and. I work on this computer program that I have to turn on a green light. And when I turn on the green light, it means that I'm using those parts of my brain that have been damaged. It is significantly difficult and takes a ton of concentration to turn on that green light. And by the end of like 20 minutes of training, you're like so tired you can't even think straight.
0: So like, explain to me, like you're trying to think about something that will turn on a green light? You're
1: staring at a dot. You're staring at a black dot on the computer. And they... It's, it's as bizarre as this. Stare at it and make it turn green. And it is, I don't know, I can still can't really tell you what makes it turn green, but you, like, have to concentrate as hard as you can and stare at it. And, I don't know, kind of joke, it's like, you know when Luke Skywalker was working with uh, Yoda. Yoda and he had to, like, lift the lightsaber? And he's like, how do you do that? Yeah, and he's like, you just do it. Right. It's like that. Like, I can't tell you how, but it would be like, it's like that you're trying to like do it with your mind and it's frustrating as hell because it only turns on like 5% of the time for me, like 10% of the time, but like you're working really hard to try to make it go. But as I keep doing it, I keep getting better at it and the light turns greener more. But literally that thing is turning back on my brain um, and turning back on those areas that are damaged. I'm learning how to do it
0: you're exercising those specific yeah, muscles in yeah, your brain. Yeah, totally. It's
1: like going to the gym for your brain. So I'm doing weightlifting for my brain, for my feeble little parts that are not working anymore. Wow. And it hurts. So that brought me like up to like 80%, right? So now I was at like 0-10% back in January. Now I'm close to like 80. I'm feeling pretty good. And... uh I've been really lucky. Like I keep telling you about all these procedures and doctors. These things aren't easy to find, and these doctors aren't just everywhere. These are like pretty, pretty niche uh, Specialized, therapies. Yeah, yeah. Therapies. concussions are just like a lot of people don't know what to do with them. And so, this Dr. Cook, as well, um, is obsessed with finding new therapies, and and he's really sharp. And somehow he got. He found this stuff called, um, um, what's it called? It's a gangliocyst block or ganglioblock. Let's just put it like that. I'm probably saying it incorrectly. But supposedly, um, not all, but a majority of our special operations are coming home and doing this. And what it does is it basically gets rid of PTSD in close to one shot. Sometimes you have to do two. So I've been diagnosed with PTSD, uh, which just kind of seems surprising too. So you just hear of soldiers, right? I get that, but it's has a lot. There's definitely a parallel between concussions and PTSD, like high anxiety, not wanting to really be around people functioning. It's it's uh, that's a whole nother story, which I won't get into, but as I get better, like I can't get rid of this anxiety, you know? Um, and a lot of that's related to near-death experiences and all the shit I've been through surfing big waves and just overdose of adrenaline and not being able to get my fight-or-flight mechanism to relax. So did you feel like you had high anxiety before the accident? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What would you do to try and calm yourself down?
1: Go to the gym and get focused on going to surf some big waves and go surf big waves. Yeah. Did you ever, um, I was like not happy unless I was like purposely going out there and like risking my life, I guess, you know? Really?
0: Well, I mean, I was, I'm, we've had conversations, um, before you told me that you will visual, like you would visualize the night before a a big day. Like you would visualize that wave coming in. And I remember this is something that totally stuck with me. remember you told me like, that wave out there is in the middle of the ocean you're going to visualize that wave coming to you like the night before it's yeah. still coming to you and you think about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, how do you, how, I guess my question is, um, I think that probably a lot of your success came from that ability to visualize so clearly. Um, and do you use those same visual, visualization techniques now?
1: Good question. Um, yeah, that's that was the reason I was able to do what I did. I mean, to have two world records and to have those two giant waves come to you and successfully ride them is a fluke. You know what I mean? It's it's not a fluke, actually. Well, I mean, yeah. well, I mean but you, it, you could almost say that. Yeah. You could you could say that, but it's not the truth, right? right? Like what do you think is the truth? The truth of the matter is I brought those waves to me and was in the right mindset from training to be ready to go so it's like one you create it you create the situation but then the other part is having to be ready to uh pull the trigger so walk walk me through that a little bit more specifically like
0: it well like what the day before and the days leading up to it would you actually think about
1: i'll take you back to the first world record at mavericks i was just a another guy out there, um, probably been surfing out there at Mavs, uh, like at Mavs specifically hard for like three years. I don't know. Made a name for myself within the guys that surf out there, but nobody else knew me outside of Mavericks, right? Or Santa Cruz. It was just, we were in that bubble. Um, but I love surfing big waves. I won't tell you where I surfed growing up, but I surfed big waves like years before that. I was ready by the time I came to Mavericks to surf Mavericks. So I became obsessed with catching one of those toe waves at Mavs. And I would, I. I mean, post-accident, when you do that much brain damage, meditation, it becomes nearly impossible. You literally can't think positive and be there for yourself and stuff like that so before that though I could I meditated every morning I was uh really understood visualization and used it and I would at many times meditate on Mavericks and meditate that and see and feel one of those big outer reef waves coming to me being in the right spot and going and just working through those processes. And I mean, if somebody's listening to this for the first time, the reason not to sound crazy and the reason I did this was I understood the concept of if you were an Olympic athlete or gymnast, you trained with ropes and you trained on a trampoline and you put your head and your body through the motions of flipping, rotating, and doing all that safely. You didn't just go for it, right? If you can't see it in your head before you do it, you won't achieve it in anything. So I had to teach myself to be ready, do it and have it come. But I also did. I mean, I worked on like when that, when this day comes, this is what it's going to look like. And this is where I'm going to be. So yeah, that day 2010 during the Mavericks contest, I wasn't a invitee. I was board catting for skin dog Collins. And, uh, It was huge, that day was historic. And it was the day that I had been waiting for, and I was so frustrated, being like, okay, I've waited three years, I've meditated on this, I'm ready, but I have to watch this damn contest from the sidelines, like, you know what I mean? Like, put me in. But there was something amazing about that. It made me sit on the sidelines for three to four hours, and watch what was going on. And so I was able to study the playing field. And there's this like magic time at halftime that anybody can paddle out to Mavericks because it's there's a break between the semis and the final. And so by the time that break came, I was like dog in a cage, just ready to get out and just go wild. So the kind of the funny kind of backstory was, I was on the jet ski with um, Adam Rapogel and Shane Dorian. And I didn't realize it, but Shane Dorian just kept asking me all these questions like, hey, where are you going to paddle, Dollar? Where are you going to go? Like, what's your plan? And, he just, and I was so psyching that I was just telling him everything I thought. So I told him my whole damn game plan. So, as he had the same plan, which was go surf at halftime. So, when I jumped off the ski and started paddling to my bowl that I was going to 100 yards outside the bowl. Look behind me, and Dorian's (laughs) just following me right out there. And I remember just thinking, fuck, like, I just told Dorian exactly what I'm going to go do, and he's literally going to go follow me and sit with me. And sure enough, he did, which was a huge honor. But it was like, oh, my gosh, like, I would have been out there on my own, maybe not but it was like now all of a sudden me and dorian are kind of sharing the same spot um just kind of funny because i knew he's gonna go like he had just caught in that huge wave at yma with mark keely and it was already talk of a world record with that you know so it was like if anybody's gonna go on a wave in the world it's gonna be dorian so me and dorian are sitting out there and i went back to like my meditation which was like okay there's a huge fucking wave coming for me right now. And I just got to hold tight. I'm going to be ready to go. And um, do you feel like a big part of that is when that set comes to
0: not paddle too far out? Because I, I found like out at Mavericks, a lot of times there'll be a big set that comes out and a lot of guys will just start scrambling out too far. And the guys that actually get it will
1: kind of like hold. And it seems like that's that, that's like a big moment out there. Yeah. I mean, for when you're surfing the bowl at Mavericks, absolutely. I mean it, all the waves that I caught, you hang tight. Like most of the time I don't ever, when I was surfing Mavericks, I wouldn't no matter how big the set was, I just held my ground because it's always going to kind of be in the same place. So yeah, guys don't catch waves at Mavericks that panic, paddle out and then turn around and try to get back in. But I'm sitting a hundred yards outside the bowl in an area that nobody's ever paddled into and I've never sat there. So I had no idea if I was too far out, too far in where I was. But in the set that came, like there was at least like probably, as I remember, like five waves maybe. And I mean, you've been out at Mavs, you know, you can see them coming, right? You're like, okay, here comes that set. And you you got like a couple minutes heads up. So the set started coming and it was huge. It was like one of those sets that was gonna break out there and I was like, okay, I got 20 minutes to this break. That's enough for at least one, maybe two sets, but really one set. So like when this set comes, I gotta go. So I'm thinking about that. I got Shane Dorian to my left. So he's just a little to the left and inside of me. And the set was enormous. It was enormous. And the scary thing was, it was the biggest waves I've ever seen, but the first wave was humongous, but it wasn't big enough to break out there. So I was like, oh my God, like if this wave that I just went over isn't even close to make it feather out here, which we'd watched a few waves break through, what's a real wave gonna look like when I see it? And you could see this one behind like, like the fourth wave in the set just standing up behind everything else. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm waiting for that one. Second one went over, got a little bigger. Third one got over, went over, got a little bit bigger. But it wasn't big enough. It didn't have, like, the ramp or that entry you need to paddle in. And then when I came in front of that, the wave that I paddled for, I remember seeing it, and I remember thinking, like, holy shit, this thing is so fucking big. It was huge. It was biggest piece of water I'd ever seen. And uh, I remember thinking like, okay, stay calm, stay calm. Cause you're just like, at that point, you're just controlling your fear and you want to run and hide and paddle towards the channel as hard as you can, but you're doing everything you can to hold your ground as you know. And uh, I wanted to get the fuck out of there. And I also wanted to paddle towards the shoulder and try to get a safer entry in but <laughs> i had dorian to not very far from me to my left so i didn't want to i could, like i was kind of like s- stuck like you're if, boxed in <laughs> i was boxed in either i hold my ground and i'm the deeper guy and get the wave or i paddle past dorian and he's going to go and then i'm shoulder hopping dorian so i was like uh and i just remember thinking like this is it like this is my moment i've been waiting my whole I don't know I want to say life but not really but kind of you know my whole life had been up to that moment it was like here it is it's time to go it's time to turn around it's time to paddle so I saw this vein in the wave that was going to give it that little extra ramp and so I paddled right towards that and I turned around and started paddling as hard as I can and I looked at Tori and he turned around and started paddling as hard as he could. And I remember just being like, like, don't get me wrong. I love Dorian, but it's competitive out there. But I just remember like, fucker, Like, you know what I mean? Like we're going to ride this together. Like it was going to be a party wave at this point, which was fine with me, but it was like, this was like, everything's on the line at this point with this size of a wave. Like you have to make this wave. You can't fall out there. This is pre life vest. This is pre everything. You can't fall on, a, on the takeoff out there and go underwater into the bowl. It's just, I don't think it's, you know, Dorian did it the next day and almost died. died. And yeah. so the story goes on. But it was like, this is, I'm all in. And I remember just being like, okay, just go back to like what you trained for, concentrate, and um, just block that out. And so that was like the quick thought, right? And so I, just started paddling as hard as I could, just giving it everything. And I felt the wave like lift me up and give me that push. And it was crazy. Like I was going so fast and I was so far out and I was in and then I realized like I was the only person on the wave. Like Dorian didn't get it. And I was just like, what? you know, like so excited, like, not for that but the fact that i'm on this wave okay i have a clear shot there's nobody in front of me and i remember just being like get to the bowl get to the bowl because i knew i was deeper than the bowl and outside the bowl so i couldn't go straight because if you go straight i'm into the left i gotta try to make it so i i took more of a conservative route i didn't go like like this day and age if i was to do it over i would have went a high line i would have changed i would have been on a bigger board i would have done things differently but i'm on a tiny chip in uncharted territory, and I just got to the bottom and tried to like bottom turn. And at that point, I'm going through the bowl, and the whole thing just stood up behind me, and just like I made it, made it through the bowl impassable. But basically, the bowl blew up behind my back and just took me, took me out. But I remember being underwater, and at that point, I'd ridden the wave from out there through the bowl. It was a, definitely a successful ride. Um, And I was getting my ass kicked underwater, like beat to hell, but screaming underwater, like wow, just so amped, like celebrating, like getting just donuts, cartwheels, yeah, beat, and I didn't care. I was Screaming, like fuck yeah, (laughs) you know, like did it, and then uh, got picked up eventually, and uh, dude, I've never at that point I never had that much adrenaline, never had a feeling like that. It was insane. But yeah, it was meditation visual, visualization that prepared me, that made that wave happen. I mean, that thing uh, that thing didn't just kind of just appear out of nowhere type of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, So you've been through a, a, a lot of fascinating life experiences that not many people will ever get to go through. Um, and one thing that I've been interested in recently is is noticing people's identity and how like how do we identify ourselves right and i, and I think that a lot of a lot of big wave surfers um you, like your identity is tied to that right and i and i mean i'm sure for you it's like everyone introduced you like oh sean dollar guinness book world record of paddled into the biggest wave ever um now having gone through this this accident what's it been like for you kind of like I guess like mentally shifting into a place of, of calm and okayness with the situation like now, like
1: what's, what's that like? Uh, it's a complicated answer, but gosh, it's, yeah, you, I lived this life of, you know, being a big wave champion or whatever you want to say. Like I was recognized for that. People looked up to me for that and, I achieved some great things but and at that point you kind of live in that moment you know like I had the world record at the time the second time and there was a ton of expectation and you feel that weight and you're all the time you're ready to go to like war I'm ready like fuck the waves get big I'm ready to go like it was a different mind space it was a really radical mind space to be in and you know is trying to live my life like balanced be a good guy good husband good dad and you know, my job wasn't to go surf big waves. My job was to go sell reef sandals and surf gear. So it was like, it was like living like multiple lives almost all at once. But at the end of the day, it was ready to go. And, um, after the accident, I mean, it just literally took all that away, you know, and took, takes that the ego out. It takes everything out. Like, uh, after the accident, I didn't want that world record anymore because it became a apparent to me that I didn't want that weight on my shoulders again um, when Aaron Gold caught that wave it Jaws I was like that's going to be the new world record and at the XXL it got announced and I was like it was a huge relief you know it was like I'm I'm ready to live a different life right now and I, I don't know like I've had so many crazy experiences so many life like f- fucking dodged death's door so many times that I guess I got a bunch of dumb analogies, but I'm like a bring him, bring him in. I'm you into know, I'm into the I'm dumb like analogies. The sh- cat on his tenth life, being like, "What the fuck is going on around here?" You know what I mean? Like, how many of these do I got? And I'm just like, I'm on the other side, totally happy to be alive, literally living another life right now. And I don't, I've detached myself from all that stuff. Like I will be at the Mavericks opening ceremony, but it's gonna be really weird for me cause I'm not that same person that I used to be. But I have tons of respect for all my buddies that are up there and I wanna see that event still go and on and on and on, but <laughs> I don't know. It's just, everything's a trip. And all my focus now is just like myself getting better and family and figuring out who I wanna be next. Because I'm not that same person. Yeah. Who do you think
0: you want to be next? Like, looking forward five, ten years, like, what, what would you... I don't know. You don't know yet?
1: I'm trying to figure that out, but I really don't. I don't know. It's going to be a complicated... Uh, I think, I, I. yeah, I'll just...
0: Just leave it at Let's just leave t- it at that. Take
1: it, take it one day at a time. You know, I got to the reason I brought up all that brain stuff is I'm in the middle of trying to get my head together and you're never, you're only as good as, as much as you can think. And if you can't meditate and you can't think positively about yourself, you can't function. You're never going to be anything that you want to be. So God has taken tons of time and dedication to build myself up again. That That's where my focus has been. And my focus is to be a healthy human right now. Like yeah. healthy, internally healthy mind, like, I've been, I've been to the bottom, man, and it's a fucking ugly place to be, I mean, those people you see walking around the streets with mental problems that are homeless, they're there because they have no other choice, you know, like, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, and I've, in this life, I've gotten a chance to visit what that feels like for a moment, and I don't ever want to go back, so, um, I don't know exactly what it's, my life's going to look like going forward, but I'm going to be great dad to my kids and a good friend to my friends and try to share my experiences that people out there need some help. And I think that some of the things that I've, uh, especially like the healing stuff that I've done could help some people. So
0: what's your diet like right now?
1: Um,
0: have you had to shift that a lot? I've
1: totally had to change my diet. Yeah. Um, I mean, bef- my wife's a holistic nutritionist, so I, I'm very You're lucky. You're styled there. out on that, yeah. On that element. I'll tell you, I wouldn't be anywhere I am without her. Yeah. Like she's the one that brought me the tapes on meditation. She's the one that taught me about visualization, and she, and then every she just she's given me the tools, and I ran with them. And a lot of that was, you are what you eat. So, yeah. um, I try to eat as healthy as I can I mean shoot you know I'll cheat here and there I'm not perfect but the biggest thing post-accident is I mean I'm allergic to dairy I'm allergic to on and on but I limit that stuff but I'm gluten intolerant and that wasn't ever that big of a deal it was but it became a really big deal after my accident and that's been the biggest change in my life is the fact that. Cutting that out has reduced inflammation and also allows me to think clearly. Um, when you have concussions and you do that much damage to your brain, you're also doing damage to your blood-brain barrier. You're literally putting holes throughout it, microscopic holes. Now, again, when I went back to talking about, like, protecting your brain, that blood-brain barrier is pretty important. It stops foreign objects from getting in your bloodstream and attacking your brain. So when you have holes now in your, blood, in your blood-brain barrier like gluten for me is crossing that and going into my brain and attacking my brain. So I'm having an allergic reaction to gluten in my brain that makes me super foggy headed. makes me dizzy. makes me not able to think straight. Very similar to like a concussion symptom. So much I miss pasta and like regular bread and pizza. Like, I mean, luckily there's alternative choices now. And we live in Santa Cruz where there's a lot of those choices. Super lucky. But my, it ain't easy. Like, shoot, man. I used to just chow down on some pasta when I felt sad, and like,
0: like here's know. an avocado, Sean. <laughs> yeah, which I
1: can still <laughs> kind of do, but <laughs> it. Yeah, it's like my diet is is really clean. I take so many supplements in the morning. I, I mean, probably we, a lot of
0: fatty foods, like natural fats for yeah, your like brain, avocado right? Like avocado, avocado, and, and oils, and that fish kind oils, of thing.
1: yeah, olive oil, like all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean. I've am become a very sensitive person to all this stuff Yeah. Um, that I can tell when I've messed up and I don't feel good. I'm and, sure you're
0: so tuned into your body. Yeah, now. That
1: I just want to feel. Feeling good is like, I. that's all that matters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> after feeling shitty for so long, I just want to feel good. So it's easy for me to make those choices.
0: Yeah. Right on, man. Well, I really appreciate you telling me those stories. Those are powerful. Um, and yeah, I didn't know it to that extent. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: No, I just want people to be out there and just think about how much, uh, if I was to kind of leave off with one day, I think I'll circle around, but I'll get, I'm on my way back to that point is, you know, you are what you eat, but more importantly, you are what you think. And, um, If you believe in something, that's a start. And uh, you got to go out there and start making those choices and surround yourself with those people and start living that life of what you want to be. And next thing you know, those things will all start falling into place. So, you know, I just kind of want to encourage people that if they have, like, a dream to not just dream it but work for it. Yeah. And you can do it. And for people who who
0: struggle with with negative thoughts, with depression, and we were talking a little bit before this podcast about just how many people there are around us that struggle with that, what do you think is a good starting point um, for those people to kind of shift your thought processes?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think there's a more complicated thing than mental depression. So, you know, the simplest thing to start with is trying to start with some form of meditation. But... That can be the most difficult because as i said like some people like me were so affected that meditation almost becomes important but the thing about the body is it will start telling you what it is you need so if you start tuning into what you need and you don't just listen to distractions all day long you're going to start getting answers but it'll also be like you're I don't know your your guide as you kind of go through and start making decisions for yourself but yeah I mean you have to get help you have to let the people know around you that you're struggling and you know it could be as simple as maybe it was an accident you had a concussion you didn't necessarily take that seriously or maybe you know you're having like you know a lot of people are eating gluten and they're becoming dizzy and they can't really think clearly and that's affecting their lives you know, more than they know it, or, you know, maybe they're just chemically imbalanced since birth and they really have major anxiety and depression and they need to be on meds, you know, whatever it is, you got to start just taking care of yourself. And that answer comes from a whole different bunch of different spaces. Mine was, you you know, an accident, multiple accidents. And so I had to find my route, but it worked and I'm on my way. Nice. Nice. Right on, man. Well, thanks for coming in and talking.
0: Um, Thank you. Where can people find you? Uh, Gosh, Instagram or Facebook is probably the best way. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Be sure to reach out to Sean on the socials and say what up. Just came out with a new story that I'm really proud of called Hunting Wild Pig to Save Coral Reef. You can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to check it out. And if you would enjoy getting an email from me with all of my latest podcasts and videos, you can go to my website, kyle.surf, and sign up for the newsletter. Until next time, my friends, get in the water, and I will see you soon.